Hi, I'm Nat. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Compass Mentis. Lawyers talking about well-being in law. Brought to you by Bottled Snail. This is episode 13, Lawyer and Anxiety. So Nat, today we're talking about anxiety. Tough topic. I think I'm getting anxiety just from even thinking about doing a podcast on anxiety. <laughs> Me too, but we'll do we'll do our best. <laughs> Maybe we'll start with the definition. Yes. So I think anxiety, it's a little bit different for everyone, but the sort of general description and what we're talking about today is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Now, as lawyers, we are constantly dealing with things that have an uncertain outcome. That's right. And we've had a whole nother podcast episode about that. <laughs> Um, and another thing we've also covered is stress, uh, and I think it's important to maybe distinguish a little bit between um, the conditions of stress and anxiety, or the difference between feeling stressed and feeling anxious. Do you have a view on that? Yeah, I mean, I think they're very related, and I guess for me personally, being under stress leads to an anxious sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but my own experience of anxiety is that it's basically that feeling of your mind running a million miles a minute and also um, just feeling I guess it's sort of a non-stop kind of negative or very highly responsive thought pattern that's kind of how I experience it yeah yeah me too like hypervigilance yes. I think is a really good way to explain it and just the chatter the brain chatter yeah for me it's like this constant state of worry yeah and I'm thinking ahead to like all of these different possible outcomes that could happen Um, on this particular point um, in the case and I guess trying to control the outcome by thinking and planning ahead in circumstances that are probably uncontrollable anyway. Yes I also think for me the funny thing with anxiety is it seems to be happening at well that thought pattern seems to be more prevalent at times of the day where I can't actually be doing anything about it so you know, it's kind of like on public transport. Oh, I think maybe I should check that case or maybe see what the appellate court said about that point, just in case I haven't done it already. But if you don't actually have the draft in front of you, that kind of thought pattern is quite useless. A, you, you might forget it or B, you probably already checked it, but because it's not there and you've got so many things on your mind, it's not a very useful use of your time and energy. So usually what I do is I keep a list of notes in my phone to do that. And by and large, I will then be back at my laptop or back at my desk going through those things and going, oh, yeah, no, I thought of that. Um, but it's really the type of thought that actually gives you that, oh, that's a great idea. I think that solves the whole problem for me. No, and I think the other comparison is that stress can come and go perhaps a little bit more and maybe be a little bit more contextual as to, like, what is happening in your work at that point in time. Like if you've just It feels had, a bit more external. Yeah, a little bit. You've just had that file, that, you know, bombshell dropped on your desk or you've had – Um, that killer email from the other side where your whole case might unravel and it is really interrelated like I probably feel anxious in those circumstances as well but it's more of a like prolonged overarching constant um, voice in the head type Mm. experience and I definitely think that I can feel anxious without feeling stressed so there's not necessarily a stressful situation but um, I can still find something to worry about Mm. (laughs) that type of experience. um, So coming out of that, for me, often the interesting thing with anxiety is it doesn't sort of just stop when you're, it's not like, oh, it's 5 p.m. and I'm um, walking out of the office, so that mindset is over, which sometimes stress can be. It can be like, I've had a really stressful day, but it's ended now. For me, anxiety doesn't 
necessarily end when the task itself ends or when you're out of the environment. It's much, it carries on and um, you kind of can go from thinking about something really important for work to something less important like what am I going to have for dinner or how am I going to exercise today and you've still got that mindset of, yes. um, and the kind of highly analytical, unrelentless scanning for problems on something because you're just sort of in that mindset it's really more of a mindset thing to me yeah I think that's right the way that our brain thinks really and our perspective on um, everything and if we also think of it maybe it's a bit of a sliding scale but also an overlapping one where kind of stress like maybe low level stress sits at one end and you slide up and that can kind of slide or lead into anxiety Mm. and then at the other end of that scale um, among different mental ill health possibilities I suppose um, is depression and there has been studies showing um, I suppose the ties between them and how they can lead into each other and I think the link is kind of your um, brain being stuck in that sixth gear almost and not able to get out so it is that constant thinking and hypervigilance and uh, it can have really negative mental health consequences so it's so important I think to catch it and um, try and manage it. How do you sort of recognise um, signs of anxiety? Yeah, so slightly similar to my stress symptoms, um, I think catastrophizing is a big one for me and not being able to switch off my thinking. So you were saying finishing work at 6 o'clock or whatnot and going home but still having a racing mind and therefore finding it really difficult to sleep. I think shortness of breath and kind of uh, getting quite warm is one Mm. for me also that it kind of lets me know that I'm feeling a little bit anxious what about for you for me it's just having I think I've said it before but just so many thoughts at the same time and so it feels like a very sort of quick paced feeling of thinking but it's actually not necessarily that productive it's interesting I think it is easy to make the mistake of feeling that maybe you're being more productive when you have that racing mind type thinking, but actually it can be quite frenetic and it can be quite disjunctive because I'm often thinking of not one thing at once, but 18 things at once. (laughs) And just like the multitasking, single tasking we spoke about, you're probably not giving it your full attention and therefore your full problem-solving abilities at that point in time. And you're kind of thinking with the wrong part of your brain in a way. You're sort of thinking with the part that um, races and the part that um, wants to kind of get an answer quickly and not necessarily, as you say, logically, slowly, with a lot of concentration. Frenetic really, really describes the feeling for me. Often I know I'm sort of having that feeling where if I can try and step back from it and it's almost like looking at um, a blue sky with kind of clouds rushing across it on fast forward, just like thoughts and thoughts and thoughts and thoughts and thoughts, but they're not really um, leading to much. And usually I think I'm experiencing anxiety where I'm thinking a lot about something that's um, either happening in the future or might happen as a result of something in the past, sort of like, oh, how did that person interpret that? Could there be an issue there? Um, Should I phrase it differently? Should I do this? Should I do that? And none of those things contribute really to anything because it's happened, look, 99.999% of times, nothing ever results from whatever the situation it is that you're reflecting on. And it's often not until you can sort of step back from the thoughts that you even really feel like you're having them. Yeah, that's really interesting and similar to um, what I experienced. And I was also just thinking about talking about the anxious mindset 
and other ways that I experience it, I think, are then impacts on other aspects of my mindset. So, for example, I can lose a lot of self-confidence. Mm. I can just feel really overwhelmed. I can fall into, like, pessimistic thinking patterns. And I think it is, yeah, mostly because of this rush of anxious thoughts. Mm. And the other thing is um, you can, I think, in my family, we describe it as a talk dump. You just kind of want to sit down with someone and say, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And the other person might even be going, um, hello, like, are you recognising that I'm even here? Um, and I think it's a sort of anxiety to get it all out, to maybe try and make yourself feel a little bit better without a lot of recognition for the other person and their experience. I think it's safe to say that it's probably quite prevalent, firstly, um, in the legal profession with lawyers, and secondly, that it's really okay. It's a sort of mm. quite normal experience, and just on that point, People have mentioned in listening to the podcast, Nat, that you and I have quite different personalities, <laughs> uh, so we're able to bring different perspectives to it. But I just think it's so interesting that this is something we both struggle with. Mm. And it's interesting because I think people you've mentioned perceive you as quite, say, a calm and cheery personality. And that's not necessarily always what's happening underneath. So I always kind of liken myself, I'm like the duck on water, but like little legs are going underneath at a thousand miles a minute. But... Generally, I seem to give the impression that I'm fairly relaxed and fairly calm about things. And often when I share with someone, oh, um, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about that and I probably didn't need to, they'll be really, really surprised and not even realise that I was remotely stressed during the period that I was or anxious over something. It's the same for me. People perceive me as being really calm. <laughs> and, like, I like to, I suppose, like, give off that uh, energy but similarly, I can get really worked <laughs> up and be quite highly strung. But maybe it's even part of our professional training or the way that we feel that we need to act in the workplace. So we're keeping it together is a really important part of mm. professionalism. And, and I mean, it, it is. It's integral and we should be doing that. Yeah. But I think that it reaches a point where it's problematic um, if there's no outlet for that way that you're feeling. That's true. And I'd also hate to give the impression that everything's just sort of easy for me and things don't take its toll where they really do for a couple of reasons. One is that it makes other people feel like if they're not feeling like that all the time, you know, they're um, somehow deficient as lawyers, which is completely not the case. And the other thing is it can also mean that um, you might be really anxious about something or you might be struggling with something and it's kind of hard to communicate that fact to the person who's um, giving you the work or to a mentor and that sort of thing. So it is important to find that balance, I guess. And also recognising that, so it is prevalent, we're, we're talking about our experiences and it's not, it's not a character flaw, it's not a failure, it's not a reflection on your abilities as a lawyer or your career success and it's also okay not to be managing it or not to be able to manage it as well. Like there's no failure in feeling that you are really overwhelmed and you're not able to to deal with it. I think it's about um, stopping and recognising that and then trying to make changes in your life um, so that you can manage it. That's true. And I think sometimes um, if there can be any positives kind of taken from anxiety is, you know, it proves that you really do care about what you're doing if, you, if you're really concerned about all of the different outcomes. Um, although I guess you've got to look at what is motivating that care, is it um, because, you know, you're worried about being rejected or you're worried about the shame of making a mistake or is it because you genuinely want to get the right outcome? So it's not necessarily 
I mean, I think anxiety is something we can probably live without, but there are aspects to it that I know in the past I've seen as attractive where it's sort of like, well, maybe if I hadn't have been thinking like that, I wouldn't have come up with the right answer. I wouldn't have thought of all those possibilities and this one happened to be right. So I think though using a more rational mode of thinking, you can get those answers. So it's better to try and um, step back from it where possible and sort of channel the energy into something else rather than spending a lot of time and a lot of pain um, in that mindset. Yeah, I think you've touched on something really important, which is flipping the perspective. So, yeah, you know, yeah, you might struggle with feeling anxious or struggle with stress management. But, yeah, uh, the other side of it is that maybe it does make you more conscientious in your work and you're putting in more energy and effort. But it's about finding that balance where um, your personal well-being doesn't become the price of professional success in that space. One of the things that I always really like to do is if you're really anxious about something and if it's one of the things that it's sort of fairly small and you know you shouldn't be anxious over it, write it down, come back to it in a week and you'll most likely actually laugh at whatever it was, particularly the things where it's sort of along the lines of, oh, I can't believe I said that to that person. I hope I didn't offend them or I hope they didn't take that the wrong way. And when you come back to it, you'll sort of think, oh, that was so silly. I shouldn't have worried about that at all. (laughs) Sounds like a good one. Yeah, I like that idea. And just having, I think it's also self-discipline to catch that thought, not let it become obsessive for you um, and being able to let it go. So that idea of writing it down, even doing something physical and then, you know, putting it away in your drawer and just saying, I realise that this is unhelpful, I'm going to stop thinking about it right now and just leave it and come back to it can be a powerful um, way of trying to break that thought cycle. And if you are in sort of the obsessive thoughts cycle, it's really good to try and put whatever it is that you're thinking about into perspective. I'm not sure if I've spoken about the um, Grand Canyon technique before, but where you sort of think, how small is this thing in the scheme of this matter or in the scheme of my life? And without a doubt, it's going to be small. And if you put it into perspective compared to all of the good work that's been done, everything that the team's contributed or everything that you've contributed, a small thing like... Um, missing a comma in a sentence or something like that, um, which I have been known to stress about before (laughs) Um, or to be anxious about before, will be – you'll see how insignificant it is to others. Yeah, really good advice, um, I think, on the perspective aspect and that there are other different ways you can do that. Uh, So using your support network, debriefing, whether that's chatting with your colleagues or your boss or a friend or a mentor. Maybe even a non-lawyer about something. Yeah, good one. That's always, that's always a rude shock. <laughs> Everyone, find a non-lawyer friend stat. Um, I think service, so being of service to others. You know, you might be volunteering or something like that. You might be doing a pro bono case and comparing, yeah, the circumstances that other people are struggling with or experiencing to the challenges in your own life. And everyone has challenges and that's by no means um, to try and diminish the importance of what you're going through, but it can help you bring a different perspective um, to the experience that you're having. And we've also spoken a lot about having something outside of work, having a passion, being able to live your values, and that can help, that sense of purpose, I think, can also help give you a perspective um, that might help you get out of that negative thought cycle. Mm. I think we've sort of spoken about it before, but it's really good to try and get some separation so you can try and get a handle on, um, I guess, where your mindset is that in that particular moment. One of the things that I struggle with is if I'm having a particularly anxious experience, 
the last thing I feel like doing is um, kind of changing anything. In some ways, you're just a little bit stuck in a rut, I guess. Um, so one of the things that a technique that I've heard about, um, which I try to do is when you have that sort of anxious reaction, just try and look at it from the perspective of what is actually going on in your mind and in your body rather than kind of experiencing it. So, um, you know, if you're feeling shortness of breath, sort of how short are the breaths, describe that feeling. Do you feel tightness? Does the tightness, um, have a heat to it? Is it a cold feeling? Is it, um, a sort of does it have a particular shape is it round is it 3d is it flat is it affecting um, different parts of your skin to really kind of narrow in exactly what that feeling feels like and every time I've sort of done that um, it allows you to get a little bit more control over the experience um, and just to sort of step back from it a little bit and just realize that it is an experience rather than it's the truth of the situation and I think it's really healthy to be doing that to feel the feeling and not be kind of, as I've done in the past, just trying to repress it and like, that's so let's true. Move on. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I don't have time to deal with this. I'm feeling stressed, but let's just push through mm. and create some output because I think that it can come back to bite you. And it's that point in time where it is important to um, let it out and have an outlet. And that can be <clears throat> a really good way to do it. And I think also apart from concentrating on the physical symptoms having a think about the words mm. to describe how you're feeling as well because often we can have quite a small I suppose emotional vocab so we might just describe things the same way like oh mm. I'm feeling really I'm stressed I'm busy stressed, how many times do you busy? hear that from lawyers that's right but there there are shades of that and I think being able to recognise where you're sitting on the scale of like complete catastrophe and absolute <laughs> doomsday and the sky's falling down to, okay, I'm feeling slightly apprehensive right now about this hearing mm. because of X, Y, Z. Um, just finding a few more words around it can help you label it and then kind of know how to address it. Mm. And maybe once you've done that, you can actually see that it's much smaller than um, the sky is going to fall in and it's going to be... A um, complete disaster to sort of, you know, we've got a really hard case around this, but there's not actually a whole lot that can be done about that now. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of what you described is sitting with it and just feeling it really ties into mindfulness, which we've mm. spoken a lot about on the podcast. And that is why I guess meditation and mindfulness can be a really helpful entry point into managing feelings of stress and anxiety, because it makes you more able to kind of catch it in the moment and then sit with it and feel it in a way that hopefully can give you some release so you're not then carrying it around with you for the rest of the day. I think I found meditation to be one of the most effective things um, for managing anxiety. So if you're having sort of, I mean, for me it comes in waves and if you have sort of, you know, a particularly stressful few days that leads to a particularly um, anxious sort of period, um, you can kind of try and ride out some of that with uh, meditation even if you're doing it on public transport or as you're walking down the street or as you're doing the dishes, um, just trying to give yourself that seven minutes will be totally worthwhile. I think for me, anxiety is one of the worst things that gets in the way of sleep and meditation can be really good on just putting a full stop on the day before you actually get into that sort of sleep Agreed. space rather than kind of waking up feeling that you have mid-sentence in some kind of submission or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Another way to get some really great separation on your anxiety is to take a holiday. 
I recently um, took a week away and went to a tropical island. It was absolutely beautiful. But the first day of the holiday, I kind of felt like I'd crossed through into like a different universe. I was sort of looking around. Everybody was so sort of chilled out and relaxed. There was nothing in the world to worry about. But unfortunately, I had brought my anxious mind into that place. And it was almost, I was looking at these people going, people live like this. Like, this is their, this is their day-to-day life. This is their nine-to-five, you know, um, in this environment, which was absolutely beautiful. And it really gave me a strong sense of just where my mind was at, actually just pulling myself completely out of the environment um, and made me realise that perhaps I'm a bit more anxious than I'd realised when I was looking at it from the perspective of being on a tropical island. Yes, I had a similar holiday grand realization which just goes to say that everyone should take a holiday but it does really show how powerful a change of perspective um, can be to almost I guess reset the way that you think and reset your mindset and yeah there are people going about their day-to-day <laughs> lives that just generally aren't really that stressed out or anxious and um, uh, we can be like those people. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> It did also give me the perspective, though, that that sort of life wouldn't be for me full time and that I actually do love what I'm doing and the cut and thrust of what I'm doing, Um, although occasionally it would be nice to do it with a little bit less anxiety. I think that's it. It's about taking up those challenges and um, fulfilling your ambitions, but in that piece, managing the way that it impacts um, on you and your mental health. So you recently spoke to Stephanie Lau, psychologist, about anxiety. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. So I'm here today with Stephanie Lau, who is an educational and developmental psychologist working in both the private and public sector. Steph is also the holiday psychologist, being a project about work-life balance and prevention of ill mental health through holidays, something that a lot of lawyers probably need. Welcome, Steph, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jen, for having me. It's great to be here. So we're going to have a chat about anxiety, and Steph will share her um, wealth of experience and expertise. Maybe we can start with just chatting about what anxiety is. Yeah, so anxiety is basically persistent, excessive worry. So when you feel like you're constantly worrying and stewing over things and it's not necessarily helpful... Um, And it can be quite detrimental because it affects so many um, different areas in your life, not only work, but your relationships and just your day-to-day functioning. So how would a lawyer know if they are experiencing anxiety at work versus helpful stress? Mm, So I guess the way I think about anxiety is that a little bit of stress and a little bit of anxiety um, is productive. Um, and so I like to think of it as to whether it's manageable, whether you can still do the things that you need to do, whether you're still kicking goals and um, whether it's helping you do the things that you need to do. But I suppose when it feels um, so over, overwhelming and it's debilitating and you're losing confidence in the things that you can do really, really well day to day, there's fe- feelings of panic or it's affecting your sleep and your diet, you're just your daily functioning. I think that's when we really need to look at whether it is helpful anymore. It sounds like it's a highly personal thing as far as different people probably have different thresholds. And on that point, so many lawyers are perhaps what we might call high-performing people or type A personalities has been bandied around. Um, So 
Are these high-performing people perhaps more prone to anxiety than others? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think high-functioning anxiety and, and these type A personalities, it's great because I think I can relate. I, I And I think I call myself a, a high-functioning, anxious person at times. Um, it is helpful, but it's also um, it also eats away at you, I think, long-term, so it can stop you from being the best you can be if you are doubting yourself all the time, if you're sort of worrying about whether you're good enough, whether your, um, yeah, your work is quality enough and whether you're disappointing people. I think it can be um, quite negative and debilitating. Yeah, but I think, yeah, high-functioning anxiety basically relates to individuals who are still able to function day-to-day -day and do the things they need to do. Um, they're probably perfectionists. They're probably very controlled people, but inside there's a level of anxiety that other people may not be able to see, and they manage it well enough, but it still eats away at them. So what would be a good, perhaps, red flag or um, kind of point to maybe stop and reflect and recognise that and seek some help? Yeah. So I think, again, looking at your sort of your sleep and your diet and... Um, general motivation and enjoyment in activities that you usually get enjoyment out of um, and the quality of your work. So lawyers are obviously very intelligent people, obviously very successful um, and able to produce quality work. If you're feeling like, say, your work um, is not what it used to be and um, your confidence, your faith in your abilities is also not what it used to be, there's a bit of doubt there. Um, feelings of panic and um, chaos that you feel like you're not on top of it anymore, that it's good to reflect then, okay, so what's going on here? So on that note, what preventative action can lawyers take so I guess that we can find the stress sweet spot without it tipping over into being unhealthy? Yeah, so I think um, social support is really, really critical to wellbeing and I think having a supportive peer network is so important and um, for lawyers especially you guys deal with such um, high level stressful work at um, unbelievable sort of amounts of work so it's the quantity of work um, but also some of the stuff that you guys are exposed to um, causing vicarious trauma so not only support within your social networks um, having good mentors um, having supportive peers but also um, getting support from mental health professionals and talking to your GP, um, checking that you're physically well and looking at um, other supports like seeing a psychologist. Um, it's very normal. It's okay to talk about um, issues that may arise. And, you know, it may not even be a problem. It may, it may just be helpful to have someone that you talk to that's a sounding board that's not someone in the profession as well that may not be from work so that you can feel comfortable talking about things that may be bugging you um, in a confidential um, private discussion where you know that's not going to go any further and it's not going to affect your career if that's something that you're worried about. Yeah, that's probably a concern for um, some people out there. So definitely agree that maybe sometimes external support mm -hmm. is a really good resource to tap into. Yeah. Um, and what treatments are usually prescribed for anxiety um, yeah. these days? So I guess anxiety is something that um, 
people usually need to manage. It's an ongoing management. It doesn't really necessarily just go away. Um, and a combination of medication if needed um, and therapy as well. So psychological support is really, really good. Um, but even just small changes in your self-care routines like, um, yes, yeah, sleeping enough. Sleeping is so important and, and I, I'm the biggest culprit for not sleeping enough and I can Me really too. tell. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's oh my gosh, the, um, the difference in terms of your energy and your mood and um, how productive you can be when you sleep well. Um, it's massive, but I guess it's a small change. Um, it takes a bit of um, discipline, self-discipline, I suppose, and to actually prioritise um, your health and your self-care. So I think sleep's really important. Um, making sure that you eat well, um, eat balanced diets, and um, do things that are fun, do things that aren't just work-related and ensure that you have fun things to look forward to on, on the weekends, that you have things that you've planned ahead, like good holidays um so it's a combination of different things and things that you can control i suppose the self-care stuff is is easier to um to attain and, and getting support sometimes takes a bit of courage but i think an individual needs to get to a point where they realize the problem is big enough and they're ready to seek help to to go and speak to someone else and i think ultimately identifying that and seeking the support that you need and getting it just going to make you um, hopefully at the end of the day a happier person um, and a better lawyer because you're not yeah. dealing alone with um, yeah. mental ill health. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really, really important. So just on the self-care and holiday front, um, as the holiday psychologist, what advice would you have on taking a holiday that's actually a refreshing one that helps you to nourish yourself and replenish? Yeah, well, well firstly, I think it's important to just book one. So have something to look forward to um, so that you have something that, you know, is in the pipeworks and, um, you know, going to work every day. Yeah, we have to go through the daily grind. We all have to do that. But knowing that there's something ahead where you have an upcoming break, I think that's um, really, really important. In terms of taking a good holiday, well, I think it's, it's not a simple answer, but it does take a lot of organisation and preparation. Um, but everyone holidays differently, so you can be spontaneous. Um, you can spoil yourself by going on some sort of retreat, um, booking in massages every day, doing um, yeah self-care things at the holidays, um, not too busy and not too organised and um, not too jam-packed so that it's not actually restful anymore. So there's a number of different things you can do, and I think, again, balance is the most important thing. But, yeah, firstly, book one and then go on the goddamn holiday. I'm definitely guilty of over-planning <laughs> and over-structuring um, my holiday to the point that it can be a little yeah. bit stressful. So I think that that's awesome yeah. advice. I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, I guess in a profession like law, you're going to be an organised, structured person and your holidays will probably be no different because you want to do everything. Like, I'm the same. That fear of missing out, um, yeah, but I think sometimes it's it's got its downsides as well because you can't actually do everything when you're on holiday. You can only pick and choose. So you pick the best things that you want to do. Great. Well, you heard it here first. FOMO is actually a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today, Steph, and sharing your knowledge. If you'd like to check out Steph's work, you can head to her websites, either theholidayspsychologist.com 
or stephanielau.com.au and we'll put links in the show notes um, and her contact details are there. Steph, do you have a final thought to leave us on? Well, I think life's too short. I think it's important to prioritise our wellbeing and particularly as, as lawyers, you guys do such a great job in terms of looking after other people and advocating for others and I think it's important to do the same for your own well-being. And so book a holiday, get some work-life balance, and, yes, FOMO can be detrimental. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much, Steph. Thanks for having me, Jen. So there's some really good advice there, Jen. I think we have to be mindful that as legal professionals, it shouldn't be seen as a something to be ashamed of, being anxious, or as something that's a personal weakness. I think there are things about the profession that are structural that lead to um, increased levels of anxiety. I know one of the things we've discussed before is whether certain personality traits um, that are associated with being a lawyer um, attract these sorts of thinking patterns. Um, But anxiety isn't really a personality trait. And the good thing about it is it is something that can be managed um, with a lot of effort and... um, with seeking support. So although there can be things about the profession that are really hard, there are also um, some amazing things about it, and that is that there are people there that are willing to support you. So for anybody who is experiencing anxiety in a way that they think isn't productive, um, I'd certainly encourage them to do something about that, look for those um, support networks within the profession um, because it's not necessary to sort of carry that burden. And one way to think about that is if what you're worrying about really can't be controlled and the effort of the anxiety isn't worth the outcome. Yeah, what's the point really? If it's not (laughs) achieving anything anyway, you might as well put your energy towards uh, something more productive. So on that point, we're ending on a quote from Charles Spurgeon who very wisely said, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows but only empties today of its strength. Thanks for listening.